saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Give me two. You're lucky because you're getting a show and it's still the All-Star break. Really, we should have took the week off. But, you know, the MLB draft going on, we wanted to give you just one more taste of it. Because really, as Ben told me the other day, that's it. MLB draft goes dormant for a long time. That's right. He's Benjamin Chase. I'm Michael Govier. Just a twosome today. Utah, give me two. Utah. Two people. Give me two. No Phil Goyet. Phil is busy doing some family stuff this week, so... It's me and Benjamin Chase live here. Follow Ben on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben. And you follow me, MJ Govier, of course, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Ben, you know, the draft, definitely, if you haven't heard anybody, if your first piece of information about the MLB draft is us, let us be the first to tell you that the draft did not go according to plan in the beginning. There were some wild (laughs) picks, and some guys fell a long way. I mean, when I got home Sunday night, I was playing softball. I play every Sunday around 5. So by the time I got home, the draft had kicked off, and I popped in around pick 8. So Gavin Cross or so, or Brooks Lee. It was Brooks Lee, and I was like, what, Brooks Lee? I was surprised because Brooks Lee was still on the board, and that was pick 8, right? Yep, yep. And, and most folks had him in contention for number 1. And so most folks thought, well, he's definitely going to be off the board by the Cubs. Well, but the Cubs had guys available to them that they didn't think were going to be available, but they went a whole different route. They went a very different route, and that kind of became the theme. Um, There's a few different themes that came out of this draft. I put out a piece that will be going on um, the the, uh, Internet Baseball Writers of America, uh, their substack starting... Um, or uh, tomorrow morning, and it's got a number of different themes that are going on around the draft. And the title that I gave it is How the 2022 Draft Got Rocked. And, uh, you know, if you want to get, you know, you know, lame with titles. But, I mean, really, the big deal that happened was Kumar Rocker went number three overall. And we talked a lot in our mock we talk about how the rangers had the smallest draft pool of anyone in the top 10 they were going to likely be making a deal with somebody who's a college player but the rangers ended up going way off the board 
and going after Kamar Rocker. I got interrupted, Ben. Uh, we're having an audio issue here, so okay, because uh, this is good stuff you're covering. I don't know why it's happening. Let me just boot you, and we'll bring you right back in here. Sometimes this happens, folks. For those of you, this is live. This is happening in real time. Uh, let me hear you now. Okay, is this any better? Uh, it's still chopping up. I'm not sure why. Like mm. it, I see you and I hear you, but it's it's like syncopated in a way that would be. Maybe a slower internet connection. I don't know, but uh, I well, hate to. This is good stuff. I want people to hear this stuff. So I, it's better to say something now and be honest about it. I'm not sure what the hell would change. We do the same show every week. I've never heard it this way before. Maybe if three of us were here, it would be even. I have no idea. Well, no clue what's happening. 90 plus degrees here, and it's been 90 plus degrees, and who knows what. So it's a roaster here today, too, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Maybe uh, why don't you close out and use the link and come back in just as a okay. that might let's give that a shot just for all, all right. of it. That'll be right back, folks. Uh, this is the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. We're going to talk about the MLB draft, what we saw. Hey, try turning down your mic. Well, okay, just Bob. Maybe that will help. But I checked his mic levels and they were good, so I have control of that. And he means Mike, microphone. Uh, Chad's in the house, so I know a lot of the teams that will be mentioned here, but I want to give some love to a team that isn't the most popular right now, but deserves a lot of credit for their draft this year. And the answer is the Oakland A's. Had Daniel Susak fall in their lap, and they could have coasted after that, but then they proceeded to follow that up completely, overhauling their league-worst outfield farm system. Benjamin... Hey, is this any better? It's a uh, keep going. I, I think I like <laughs> what I hear. Oh, well, hopefully this is better now that we're ah shit. Nope. Oh, that's shit. Not, not any better. Well, that's you no sound, you got the I got a robot voice. You, you sound like you're a robot for some reason. Ah uh, uh, boy. Damn that's it. No good. He I, sounded okay before we went live. I don't understand why it changed. This is a weird world uh, we live in, folks. It's very strange. Well, I told my better half to shut everything down upstairs, so um, it just sounds like it's lagging for some reason, and I don't know why. Uh, and sometimes maybe a restart of a computer. I mean, maybe we should just like start the show over now. But now I'm on a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just say we could just say screw it, and you could just talk, and we'll make the best of it. It's up to you. Well, we could try, and if everyone, if it's terrible, it's terrible, and we'll, I guess, we'll burn it, and you know, throw it in the garbage. Um, okay, great. Well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, real quickly here, so Chad says that the A's had one of the best drafts because Daniel Susek fell in their lap and they were able to revitalize their league-worst outfield farm system. Any quick commentary on that? I really like what the A's did. They're they're a team that I think comes out of this very well, um, especially once you get into the second and third day. Um they picked up a lot of talent um, in the third day that was that was really good. Um, but where it was, where the biggest problem was, is uh, I guess for me, what I always, what I, I guess I have an issue with for them, and and I like their their guys that they grab. They grab some some good college players as far as the outfield is concerned. And I really like Henry Bolt, but he's one of those who's a 
You know, they've they picked some guys like this before. They picked an Austin Beck. Um, they've picked uh, other guys like that. They've picked you know the the high tools, uh, high school outfielder type, and gotten burned. And so, while that's a good, it's a it looks good on paper. Let's see how they develop it. That's the whole thing. Is the Oakland days look really good coming out of this draft? Let's see how they develop it. And that's always the thing coming out of a draft. Any team can look really good right now. Um, that's why I've, I will tell you right now before we get very far into this, you'll never hear me give a team a grade right after a draft in the major in Major League Baseball because it's just it's dumb, frankly. <laughs> it's you. If you're lucky, you'll see a handful of these guys in next year. Maybe yeah. a handful total. But that's it. So. Hmm. Okay, well. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Jay! Chad, I disagree. I think the Oakland A's are a terrible organization, and they deserve to burn in hell. How about that? What do you think of that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not fair. I mean, there's somewhere in the middle there. There's probably some good people that work for Oakland, but you know, the way the stadium thing's unfolding and the way they've acted just bums me out. It's just, you know, nobody loves the A's for how they've treated their players and really their fans by dumping so many players. Uh, Larry said, Ben, what is your take on the Giants first rounder, Reggie Crawford? Farhan Zaidi told him they plan to use him as a two-way player. Yeah, yeah, we don't, sounds, yeah. yeah, it sounds like if he would have come back to college, uh, he would have had a lot more opportunities to hit. Um, but he's just, he's got so little experience on the mound. And that's just, it's really tough to give a good idea. What you've seen is really, really impressive. This is the Yukon guy, right, who had Tommy yeah. Dunn. Yeah. And he can die. I mean, he's dialed it up to, you know, upper 90s stuff with a wicked breaking pitch. But can he do that over the course of a whole season? Or are we talking maybe a potential reliever here? Um, and while he's got some legit power in the bat, he's not been, because of the, you know, the surgery there, he's not had enough opportunity to really show full health with the bat, even. So, I mean, that. It just would be nice to be able to have an idea there. It's really hard. There's just a lot of yeah, it's it's really hard to just kind of what can you do? What can you what can you say? But it's yep. boy, it's kind of like picking a high school player right there. It really is. But you're getting that college pedigree, you're getting frankly, you're probably getting a few bucks savings, and you might be getting just as much talent. So Well, we know that Farhan Zaidi is really set up a structure for major league development. Like a lot of the players have gotten the most out of their abilities at the major league level recently, but I think it's fair to question. And, and obviously with the Dodgers, he was a part of a lot of the prospects that came their way and actually left that organization already last year. So we, we know he has a track record, but I think with the giants here, we still have to see how it plays out. That's fair. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, before I uh, rudely interrupted you earlier, you were making the point about how the Rangers were a team that you had pegged for a possible college pitcher situation. And then, of course, they ended up taking Kumar Rocker. So if you wanted to uh, finish that point. 
Well, and because they had such a little amount of money, I figured they'd be at least a college bat or college. I mean, I thought college pitcher would be a real dark horse, but I thought maybe it'd be someone like a a guy who was rising fast was Kate Horton. I thought they might be a team that would really underslot and go with him. Well, never, you know, I, I, I if you would ask me before the draft, I would put, you know, like a point something percent chance that they'd be the team that would throw out a rocker. Well, there you go. Um, but when they did, it really shows you these teams want college pitching. They know college pitching, as far as pitching goes, college pitching is the safest pitching you can get if there is such a thing as safe pitching. And we went from no pitchers are going to go in any of this in any of the top ten in all these mock drafts to three pitchers in the first top or in the top ten. We had five in the top twenty, and I think nine in the first round. That's mm-hmm. like we weren't supposed to have any pitching in this draft, and all of a sudden, no, we weren't. You know, here it all it comes. You know, this is exactly what that kind of set up because we had rockers this rocker situation. Um, he, and, and not just him, but then you had, you know, the Cubs, everyone saw them taking a bat and they ended up going for Kate Horton. You, you know, the Rockies had all kinds of money. Everyone kind of saw them going for a high school, somebody, maybe even a high school arm, but you know, they were definitely in the mix for a high school bat and they go for a college arm. You know, it just kind of it really threw a lot of the rest of the draft into flux after that because all of a sudden you get through 10 picks and here we are, guys, teams that thought that maybe they'd be able to pull off a college arm in the 20s, all of a sudden are seeing, well, geez, now I sure hope that the guys that we were looking at are going to make it all the way down to 20, you know, and so. Good call, yeah. Yeah, so you really think that, I mean, teams are going to react to a draft board in real time, but you think some of those selections certainly change the outcome for a few teams in the first round? The first early on selections, the first 10. I, I think the first 10 definitely changed some ideas that I, I wouldn't peg that, let's just say, I'd wager a team, let's, a good example, I would bet you, Houston Astros sitting down there at uh, 28. They're a team a lot of times will take a look at a really good college pitcher or a really good college hitter. And there was depth in both. Well, when they saw probably the best of the college pitchers were going to be off the board by the time they got to 28, heck of a lot of sense for them. And that was a really good pick for them because he was going way earlier than that in every mock. So, that was a great pick for them as far as value versus what he was projected. Um, you know, other guys, you, I don't know. Do the, do the Cardinals go for a college arm at, at their pick if other college arms hadn't gone off the board ahead of them like that? I don't know. Maybe they, I mean, frankly, Cooper Jerpy fits, fits a Cardinals profile pretty well, so that might be kind of a a fit that you you get no matter what, but it's it's kind of you kind of wonder a little bit. So I don't. Yeah, I mean the Gabriel Hughes pick was really the wild one. 
Although Jacob Berry going six overall, although he was projected by some people to go top 10, I heard that several people said, eh, it seems like a pretty weak play by the Marlins. But maybe that's just people who didn't like Jacob Berry either. So there's every player has their detractors, Mm -hmm. which is fair. But the biggest issue for Berry is he's got a bat that everyone loves. But a lot of folks think he's a first base or DH. And that that can be a legit concern. And that's but you can't peg a guy like that coming straight out of the draft. I think a lot of folks just thought, well, it's Marlins. Marlins usually go big upside talent. And Barry isn't really that kind of a guy. He's a bat that really doesn't have a lot of defensive upside. And so it just it was yeah. different than what they thought the Marlins should do. And so that's why they threw up their deal. And it's like, well, come on, folks. You know. Don't get mad. Don't get mad at the Marlins for just because the Marlins didn't do what you want them to do. Um, (laughs) I'm mad. They didn't do what I wanted them to do. Uh, Chad says, on the flip side of his Oakland A's commentary, Chad is shocked to say this, but my worst grade went to the Nationals. And that is after loving the first two picks. The rest of their picks scream a team that doesn't have a plan. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. The team that's floating out the idea of trading one of the most transcendent players that's been in the league in the last 50 years has no plan? Hard to believe. Shocking! (laughs) That is shocking! I cannot believe that the Nationals would... Mike Rizzo seems like a guy who knows what he's doing. I could argue the fact that Mike Rizzo kind of lucked into a World Series title. I could make that argument. Well, Dean, you get get Strauss and Harper back-to-back number ones it's hard to screw those two picks up and then yeah. you build an organization off of that. It's and Anthony Rendon turning into what he, I mean, you really, you have three franchise players come to you in the draft. Rendon was in argument for the number one overall pick that year. You have three franchise players falling in your lap. That's <laughs> come on. <laughs> like, how do you, yeah, fill in the rest, and that's what he did. Anybody could fill in the rest, arguably. Uh, all right, so uh, other points about the MLB draft here, Ben. Uh, don't forget, I posted the link for the Substack, the Internet Baseball Writers Association. I posted that there, and Ben writes for them, and he has an article coming out tomorrow. It's about his themes of the draft. So if you like what Ben does, you want to support Ben, First of all, follow him on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben, and then you can find the link for that when he posts it, but you can also get the link in this live chat, and I'll also put it in the description for the podcast when it goes live for their Substack. I always screw up their name. I'm really good about this stuff, but the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America is their name, and I got yeah. it right that time. But Oh, heck, I get it wrong, uh, too. So, But no, but it's, a, other, it's a, yeah. kind of a clunky name. I, I would argue yeah. it might be a little clunky of a name, but hey, I'm not here to rip on them. I'm just here to support and grow because I like what they do, and I think it's a pretty cool uh, thing that it even exists, frankly. Yeah. You know, I think the other, if you want to go for another theme, it's family. I mean, you have (laughs) Jackson Holiday, Drew Jones, you have Justin Crawford. I mean, heck, you have Mark McGuire's son drafted by the Cubs if the Cubs fans want to feel really awkward about life. Um, You have... (laughs) Marquise Grissom Jr. was drafted. Um, you know, you have John Jaha's son was drafted. Uh, John Jaha's son was drafted. Yeah, wow, I mean, former Brewer. Yeah. I yeah. know that. And, you know, and if you get beyond that, we 
talked already about uh, Daniel Susak. You know, his brother Andrew Susak has been in the league for a number of years. You know, you get I into recognize the name. You get a lot of. It seemed like every single time they brought up a name, it was like, and his dad played in the year in you know for this many years, or his uncle played for this many years, his grandpa played for this many years, his brother's been in the league. You know, it was amazing the family connections that you kept hearing on every player, and that was it, to me. There's there's potential that that's a great thing. It's also potentially. Baseball might be getting a little too much incestuous if we want to get into that word that, you know, we can't, it's maybe getting too expensive for anyone to break into this game who isn't already That's in. exactly what I was going to say, Ben. That You're just going into a point I was going to ask you about. Is the track become so tiny, become so narrowed now that, and not that these guys, I mean, if a guy could produce and he's a son of a ball player, Great. Okay, he'll mm-hmm. produce, but there's also like you're uh, you're alluding to here with the private schools and the money for travel teams and how much investment it requires of all of these teams more than ever. We're talking about from little league up through high school to be at these levels and to be involved, and it becomes the family's world. Like I know yeah. parents, I've met them who they just follow their kid all over. Not the country, but regions. Like, we're talking multi-state regions here, right? And are we – like? because there was also some challenges made in a good way about, hey, we had several black players in the top five, and that was refreshing, and there was a hope for the future because I know there's been this push about getting the league to accessible to all people from all backgrounds. So – I'm wondering, how, how do you look at all of this now based on what we saw with this family connection and how you also see every other part of it as well? You're not you're not a narrow-minded guy. You see the big picture. You know, my big worry is how is this going to continue five, ten years down the road? We're already starting to see. We just had this decision with, you know, with Major League Baseball this last week where they said, you know, Issued a settlement, and my dude, on one of oh, multiple yeah. lawsuits that are against the league regarding minor league pay and minor league treatment. This is not all of the lawsuits; they've settled one of them, and this one dealt with one particular item, which was the pay over the course of the season. There's other things that are being uh, that the league will have to deal with, and. This one was found to have merit, and therefore the league decided to settle it. And one of the big questions you're going to have is, how do you encourage a ball player to continue pursuing this dream at 14 when he gets to high school and can make the decision, let's say you have an excellent athlete. I'm going to use a player who we've talked about on the Discord here recently, uh, Brendan Davis of the Chicago Cubs system, was Arizona's Mr. Basketball. In in Arizona, that's, I mean, that's a legit state as far as basketball is concerned. You're Mr. Basketball in Arizona. You You got some D1 offers. And he chose to go the route of baseball. He played both sports. He chose to go the route of baseball as far as a professional, yada, yada. 
How many kids at 14 are going to make that decision and go, there's no future for me in baseball. As talented as I may be, there's no future for me in baseball. No. I'm just, no, I'm not going to keep pushing this. It's it's not worth my time. It's not worth my parents going all over the place. We had a little league team from South Dakota last year. I don't you know if you guys remember there was just a stud pitcher from South from Sioux Falls, South Dakota last year who darn near took his team all the way to the uh, USA title uh, in the Little League World Series last year through multiple no-hitters along the way. And he, he ended up, or that team ended up doing a crap ton of fundraising just to go there. And just to be able to afford to get to Williamsport for that tournament. Now, I start to think about these kids that they've already had two of the major high school prep or uh, showcase things already this summer. Moving the draft back, a lot of these showcase things have already started or are ongoing right now. Um, I know the guys who we're out there producing this draft and talking about the draft. Guys like Carlos Colazzo and Jim Callis, they basically packed their bags the moment it got done and took off to go watch a thing. That's exactly what they had to do because that's what's going on now because it's later. Yeah. And so what's going to go on with this? Are you going to be able to watch? Are you going to be able to afford if you are – an inner city kid from Chicago. If you're an inner city kid from, you know, Seattle, are you going to be able to afford it? Because you're not that kid that's getting to play nine months out of the year because of weather. I mean, a kid from Minneapolis, a kid from Chicago, a kid from Seattle, they have the northern climate issue. They're not getting to play as much as someone from New Orleans, someone from Miami. That's the problem. And so all of a sudden, how are we getting those kids seen? Other than the showcase circus. Circus. Well, I didn't slip there, but I mean. <laughs> hey! But hey, anyway, I'll get off of my tangent. Man, that's, no, I don't no, no, that's legit. Or something, but <laughs> it's so. legit. It's totally legit, Ben. Uh, and so make sure you guys check out his upcoming article on the themes of the draft through the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America, the IBWAA, which I am a member of as well, Ben. As a member, I support you, Ben, and I commend <laughs> you for your work. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do as a member yeah. other than they haven't asked me to do anything. Um, we're looking. I've shown some of the first-round picks here. Uh, was there any other first-round selection where you're like, oh, that was, that was just so classic? I mean, I'm sure... Like a lot of people, you were thrilled for the Reds that they got Cam Collier because Cam Collier that. was the darling of a lot of people. Yeah. I'll tell you, the one that really caught my attention, and this is the second year or second time they've done this now with a California prep kid, is the Red Sox grabbing Mikey Romero down at 24. Um, Ooh. He's a guy that um, I had been talking to some Braves folks, and they talked about how the Braves really liked him, but they were thinking like their third or fourth pick with him. And this is before they had acquired another pick. So they were talking like second or third round drafting him. And they said, I think what I kept hearing from them is we just think he's going to get too expensive. 
because the more people who see this kid, he's going to keep rocketing up boards because right now we're the team on him, but more and more people keep showing up. And that's exactly what happened is he just kept bumping up boards and pretty soon towards the end of the, as you get real close to the draft, he started to leak into the first round. Mm. Uh, Go ahead, sir. So yeah, that that was just that's the guy who really kind of surprised me and kind of like Nick York two years ago. Everyone just went, "Oh my gosh, Nick York! Who the heck is that?" But it was because they hadn't heard him, they hadn't seen his name anywhere, and then the Red Sox pick him. Well, now he's you know a really legit prospect. So okay, Uh, what about so Chad saying that now that the numbers are out, Kumar Rocker. Did he get paid too much, or did Drew Jones get paid too little? Because it really feels like they shouldn't be netting the same coin. See, now, here's what I don't get is it was announced in one line of things that Drew Jones got $8.2 million. And on the site, on MLB's site, it says $5.2 million. Oh. To me, that's an issue because I don't think that they'd report one and not the other. For one... Drew Jones is a guy who has every reason to get to set a new record for a high school player. And that would, I mean, just clear the bar because it's, you know, upper sevens is the high school record. And so he would, to get like 8.18 something or other was what he ended up getting. So rounding it up to 8.2. Kumar's, I think that's right in line. I'm pretty sure that's probably what he was negotiating around last year is that he wanted right around 5 million didn't get it from from the Mets um, which would have been over slot in that spot just you know to be so we can be all on the same board but at the same time he was considered a guy to be a top two or three pick and then he started sliding down boards because teams were afraid of his injury the Mets took him and he said, well, if you still think I'm good enough to draft, you're willing to pick me where I was going to go. And then you got into the whole negotiation that didn't go well. So, Oh, wah, wah. Uh, Ben, was there a team that you thought had the best overall draft? Is there a team you're like, you know what, that's the team? Overall, forget the first round, just the whole thing. Based on what you know. And there's Boy. 20 rounds, so there's still a lot to dive into. But, yeah. you know. If you look at, I mean, right now, it's and and yes, you're you're talking about looking at the overall of twenty rounds of a draft that you just don't know what you're going to be seeing for five years to really look at a draft. But I really, really do like what the Orioles did with their draft. Yeah, they drafted number one overall, but good lord, you get down into the seventeenth round. And they drafted Carter Young out of Vanderbilt, who was Vandy's starting shortstop and was really a good sh- – I, th- I thought he was a legit, like, early day two shortstop. I thought he'd be a guy who would be, like, a fourth-round pick. Oh. And I thought he would be a really good fourth-round pick for somebody. Um, and, you know, they, they just – they happened to grab some really good later picks on, on the second day or on the third day. I just I really liked their overall draft from the top to the bottom. And you add in if Jackson Holiday is turned into everything that everyone hopes he can be, that's a 
draft where they just got value from top to bottom. And that's that's what you hope to do every year when you're rebuilding like that. And especially, I mean, I, I made the comment, this is the, the 11th time a team has ever selected number one overall and then 500 at the same time or better. And the previous 10 times, nine of them were non-pitchers and eight of them were high school selections. And so they kept up, the last four had been shortstops, so they kept up that trend. But just so everyone is aware, two of those are now in the Hall of Fame. That's Harold Baines, which, you know, questionable Hall of Famer, but, you know, oh Hall of boy. Famer. Yeah, and, and then the other one is Ken Griffey. Yeah, the other one's Ken Griffey Jr. Was, was the other one who was drafted that, that's in the Hall of Fame. And then they've got one that'll be there someday, and that's Joe Maurer. He was drafted Definitely. when the Twins were in first place. That was a big deal for the Twins is to draft number one while they were in first place that year. Yeah, as a Tigers supporter, I remember that, and I was annoyed by that. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, the Twins, in that whole era, that Twins team kicked our ass all the time, especially Joe Maurer's teams later on. But, you know, just remember, guys, we rip on Tony La Russa a lot, and he, you know, rightly so, gets a lot of shit these days. But there will always be one man out there who will look – fondly upon and remember him dearly and that's harold baines harold baines will always say thank you tony the russa for getting me into the hall of fame because exactly. tony Russo was on that <laughs> that veterans committee that basically he made that happen he did yeah. I like him. Harold baines i like Harold baines i feel bad yeah. like that I, it bothers me that he's a hall of famer because i like him as a player he was a great player but he just there's a threshold there's got to be a threshold and and he's a he's a he was a really he was a guy whose baseball card you enjoyed getting, but he's yeah. never a guy that you when you open the pack you were hoping for a Harold Baines. <laughs> no, you weren't. You just weren't. I'm sorry, Harold. He's that's, right. You're right. I mean, that's just what it is. You know, <laughs> you were like, oh, hey, I happen to get Harold Baines. Cool. But when you open the pack, you were like, I hope I get a Conseco. You know, at that era, in that era, I mean, let's just be real. That's who you're hoping for at that time. I want to get a Bo Jackson. I want to get a Conseco, which neither one of them is in the freaking Hall of Fame. But, you know, so. That says you know. more about the stars that shine so brightly but burn out faster. Jasper says Harold Baines was a badass. Harold Baines was a longevity guy. He had, I think off the top of my head, about like 2,875 hits, something like that. He was short of 3,000. He was close. But the, either there's sometimes, and I'm not a big like complaining about the Hall of Fame or arguing about Hall of Famers. It's not really one of my things. But the Harold Bain one, that's the Harold Bain's moment stands out to me. It was odd, and you know, hey, people know people. If it makes Harold Bain's life better, what do I really care in the end? I'll die and probably not think of Harold Bain's at all when I die. So, I guess if I want to look at perspective wise, but. I still stand by what I said. Uh, okay, well, we did a show there. Uh, we hope the uh, audio was okay. Ben, I heard, I got everything that you said, so I think I think it'll be okay. I think it's not terrible, but I'll let you be the judge of your own audio. Um, MLB draft, we're going to put it to bed. We're going to start looking at, uh, what are we going to start looking at? What do you think's next? We should get back to maybe some dynasty deadline trades next week. Maybe talk about where we should be looking at from a dynasty perspective as the trade well, deadline approaches, I'm going to try and see, try to get lined up for us, and and uh, I'm looking for it after next week, because uh, yeah, next week I think we should look at 
trade deadline and what who are some of the guys that could be on the move. But um, with this with this uh, ruling that just came, or this settlement that just came out, I reached out to adopt a minor leaguer. And uh, he has agreed to come on to our podcast yes, and yes. chat about his program. And so I thought that that would be really neat to discuss what they do to help out minor leaguers across baseball. Because I, I think seeing, for instance, if the numbers, even if they are 5.2 on Drew Jones, people are going to think that's an 18 year old freaking kid getting $5.2 million. Why do they need help in the minor leagues? Why is everyone bitching about that? But if you read that settlement, the discussion is about kids who are earning between three and $10,000 for an entire summer, which includes an extra month of spring training, which was not paid. So six months of work for three to $10,000. Which is like 90, 95% of all the minor leaguers. Which was at that time. Yeah. And so that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous to consider that that is how this was... And yes, some adjustments have been made since, but there are organizations that have worked really hard to push on that. And the only reason some things have been changes have been made is because Major League Baseball is protecting the crap out of their antitrust exemption. Yep. That's the only reason they're willing to make changes is because they want to avoid having to give that sucker up. So let's you know, I think it'll be really neat to talk about some of the things that his organization has been able to do. I know they've done fundraising where they go in, they get a bunch of people to donate, and they buy up just a crap ton of Chipotle and bring it to a minor league clubhouse for the day. You know, they do just, like, really neat things to kind of help out minor leaguers in need at, at different times, which that's, you know, beyond just the individual connecting someone who's willing to help out one minor leader at a time his organization does a lot of good stuff. So I think that'll be a really good conversation. We're having that coming up here uh, in a couple week. of weeks. Is that next well, week or did we not confirm I, that? Well, I, I thought it'd be better to probably next week. We'll talk uh trade deadline. I think okay, it would probably be a better idea. And then we'll push that to the week after that. So Perfect. that was, so yeah, I think that would be a real good idea just to kind of push that. And we could just have some really fun conversations there and just really enjoy Finding out more about that info about that organization, um, yeah, that that's where I think there there's some good stuff to go. And then, hey, we're into like the last. If you think about it, we're into the last like six, seven weeks of minor league regular season. That's true. At that point, you know, so then you're starting to get into the real like the end of the year as far as minor leagues go, and then you know they have their playoffs, and and then it's all done. And we start talking about Arizona Fall League and all that yeah. fun stuff. So, yeah. I just, I'm going to first pitch this year. I'll be there. I will be there in the first week of November. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing who makes uh, who makes the trip out there, what players will be a part of the Arizona Fall League. And I love doing this show, and I hope you guys appreciate what Ben has to offer here. He's such a wealth of knowledge. And I think it's exactly in line with what we're trying to do here. We're trying to inform and help you guys stay ahead of the curve when it comes to understanding where a player might be, how close they are to being a big league-ready player, what they would offer once they get to the big leagues. But at the same time, these are human beings, and we're not just going to trade here like they're cattle, okay? We're not just going to be like, all right, that, that, they're not human beings because they very much are human beings. Every single one of these people, 
Even the guy who maybe never even cracks double A, who plays in single A until he's 24 and then gives it up. I have respect for those people, and I think we should all, I think it's, we'd all take a step back and be like, hey, you know what? These are all people, and we should appreciate that. So that's all. And that's always yeah. going to be a part of what this show's about. So I'm looking forward to having, don't forget, adoptaminorleaguer.com. If you want to learn more about it, you think you might be able to position to help, I, you know, a hundred bucks could make a big difference in someone's life, right, Ben? So it's a, yeah, I mean, if you can even do a hundred a month, that's going to be a lot for a lot of these guys. Every, you know, if you can bump that per month, that's, that's just life changing for a lot of these guys because that's, yes. that's just huge. Yep. So. Absolutely. So adopt them on your leaguer.com. Check that out. If you can contribute. And even if you can't just share it around, spread the word. Maybe you could put your information in with somebody else's information and then they can help out. You have no idea. So share it around. Uh, thanks again to Ben as always for leading the charge this week with no Phil. This is the first time me and Ben did a show together. I think we did all right. Yeah. I, was, I, I wanted the audio to be flaws, but Hey, shit happens. That's life. We still yeah. got through it. Big gentle Ben on Twitter. Make sure you check out his article that comes out tomorrow for the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America, the Substack. You can subscribe to it for a certain price, cheaper prices. You can even subscribe to it for free. I don't know how much that limits and what you can see or not, but it is possible. And then, of course, Plaza Podcast. Utah, give me two. Two L's, two Z's. Uh, a bunch of dumb stuff here real quickly because uh, we were talking about Harold Baines. People start talking about a lot of White Sox. Frank Thomas could still hit. Yes, Frank Thomas was good. Uh, the Big Hurt. Uh, also, Maglior Ordonez was brought up, and I have to say, Maglior Ordonez, he hit 363 in 2007, guys. 363! That was awesome. And it, I got to give a shout-out to Vlad Sedler, who was actually brought this up two nights ago because he wrote an article on FTNFantasy.com about American League and National League predictions for the second half. They were part serious and part funny, and he brought up Maglio in one of those because he hit 363, and we don't talk about it enough. And I agree. That was that's a really high number in an era where batting average has really trailed off. So, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'll stop dangling. I'll get out of here. Ben, it's about like when Chipper hit whatever he hit in his last. He won the batting title oh, of like yeah. one leg. That's he was, right. He, was a, he barely could like walk to third base, and he hit a. He won the batting title in his last year. I think is what it was. That or else is his right. Second to last year or something like that. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up to be sure, but yeah, something like that. That's true. So, I yeah. forgot about that. And yeah, Chipper Jones. Well, of course, Ben had to get a Braves reference in there. For oh, yeah, there well, it is. I just, I just remember that. That I just remember that one specifically because I remember everyone saying, "Ah, he should have retired," and yada yada yada. I do oh, remember actually, that. Geez, it, was, it was God. I, he played five more years after that. <laughs> Jeez, he was 36. He hit 364. 364? Yeah. Holy testicle Tuesday. I did not remember that at all. All right, guys, we're way over our half hour limit. We got to get out of here. Thanks, Benjamin Chase. I'm Michael Govey. Plausible Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs. Thanks, everybody, for the live chat. If you want more, the Discord is free. Go to the Plausible Podcast Twitter handle. Plausible Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs. It's all free at the top. Pinned in the thread. Bye-bye.
know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.